And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up, live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created are exploited, we are downtrodden, we are denied not only civil rights but even human rights. So the only way we're going to get some of this oppression and exploitation away from us or aside from us is come together against the common enemy. I don't want you to protest, I don't want you to ride, I don't want you to write to your congressman because I wouldn't know what to tell you to write. I don't know what to do about the depression and the inflation and the Russians and the crime in the street. All I know is that first, you've got to get mad. You've got to say, I'm a human being, God damn it! My life has value! Get together, have a few laughs. Welcome to Iowa Talk Guys Podcast. I'm your host, TP, And I'm your host, Theo. And I'm E-Rock calling in. Calling yes. in E-Rock. He's, uh, he did it again, folks. He called in. the 10th caller. Yeah. The 10th caller again. 1-900-Iowa. Okay. Yeah. All right. We're getting back into MK Ultra For the fourth and final installment. Yeah. And this one, we got a lot to go over. A lot. All right. Well, we better get to it. And we're going to get to it. Okay. So picking up, we talked about these certain doctors. And I had mentioned earlier that in the last episode that uh, James L. Monroe was a very interesting character. But we decided I wanted to do a little deeper dive with the doctor, Louis Jollyan West. Friends called him Jolly because of his great personality. But he wasn't that jolly of a fellow. Depends, I guess, on your perspective. How you're looking at them, okay? Some of the research I did on this was from Tom O'Neill's book, Chaos. They, he went on Rogan's podcast and talked about it. and This, this is available on, I believe, theintercept.com. But th- the beginning of this, we start off, we're going to talk about a man named Jimmy Shaver. Shaver. Shavers. Shaver. He got... He he's, got he's a shaver. Sh- yeah, he is, because he was an airman. All right, we'll get into this. Okay. On the night of July 4th, 1954, in San Antonio, Texas, the city was shaken by the rape and murder of a three-year-old girl. I would imagine. Yeah, yeah. it's pretty disturbing. Yeah. The man accused of these crimes was 29-year-old Jimmy Shaver, an airman at the nearby Lachlan Air Force Base with no criminal record, and Shaver claimed to have lost his memory of the incident so this is a year after MK Ultra started. Okay. Wow. The victim, three-year-old Sherry Joe Horton, had disappeared around midnight outside the Air Force Base, where I, I like this part. Her parents had left her in the parking lot outside a bar. Well, you know, totally acceptable. It was. 50s. It was different times. Right. And so. she. She played with her brother. San Antonio was an incredibly small town at that point in time, I'm sure, too. Yeah, I'm sure they just they just cracked the window. Can't find anybody to watch the kids, so we'll just leave them in the car when we drink in the bar. They were playing outside. No big deal, right? She, yeah, it says she played with her brother while they had a drink, a drink inside. 
When they noticed her missing, they formed a search party. So they got everybody in the bar ready. Hey, oh, shot. Got called the sheriffs and whatnot. And, and so they got together a search party. You know, people got involved. Like the deputies and stuff. Everybody in the bar. Within an hour, a group came upon a car parked next to a gravel pit. Where Sherry's underwear was hanging from one of the car's doors. It's disturbing. Hmm. How convenient that her underwear was hanging on that door, right? It's disturbing. Schaefer wandered out of the darkness. He was shirtless, covered in blood and scratches. Making no attempt to escape, he let the search party walk him to the edge of the highway. And bystanders described him as dazed and in a trance-like state. What happened? Yeah, what's going on here? He asked. So that's very peculiar, right? He didn't seem drunk, but he couldn't say where he was, how'd he gotten there, or whose blood was all over him. Meanwhile, the search party found Horton's body in the gravel pit. Her neck was broken, her legs had been torn apart, or torn open, and she had been raped. So deputies arrested Schaefer. Obviously, this is the guy who did it. Come walking out of the darkness. Naked. Scratches and blood all over you. <sighs> yeah, pretty terrible. Schaefer had been recently remarried and had two children and no history of violence. He had no criminal record, no history of violence. And he'd been at the same bar Horton had been abducted from, but he had left with a friend who told police that neither of them was drunk, though Schaefer had seemed high on something. Uh, before deputies could take Schaefer to the county jail... A constable from another precinct arrived with orders from military police to assume custody of him. And around four that morning, an Air Force Marshal questioned Schaefer and two doctors examined him, agreeing he wasn't drunk. He was released to the county jail and booked for rape and murder. Deep. It gets, all right, it gets a little wilder. Investigators interrogated Schaefer through the morning. When his wife came to visit, he didn't recognize her. He gave his first statement at 10.30 a.m. So he, air marshals in there got there around 4. He gave his first statement at 10.30. Didn't recognize his wife. Admit that another man was responsible. And he could summon an image of a stranger with blonde hair and tattoos. And this is 1954. However, the Air Force Marshal returned to the jailhouse. Schaefer signed a second statement taking full responsibility. Though he still didn't remember anything, he reasoned he must have done it. By September 1954, two months later, Schaefer's memories still hadn't returned. And the commander of the base hospital, Colonel Robert S. Bray, ordered a psychiatric evaluation to be performed by Dr. Louis Jollyan West, the head of the psychiatric services at the airbase. And it fell to West to decide if Schaefer had been legally sane at the time of the murder. And Schaefer had spent the next two weeks under West's supervision. And West, so doc, Dr. West, he had already established a name for himself of being a, an individual, a psychiatrist that was skilled with mind control victims. Hmm. Korean war vets coming back Ooh. that had been, their, their memories, they had been... You know, brainwash. Juicy stuff. Yeah, so he... Like the ones I was talking about a couple episodes ago. Yeah. Some of them that were treated very good. No, the Americans. The Americans are the aggressors. Which they were, to an extent. But, you know, literally, 
convinced by the North Korean or Chinese armies that, you know, to change sides, essentially, or sympathize. Yeah, and years later, they got a job in Congress. There you go. Even ran for president. Or was it vice president? No, huh. McCain and... That was what's Vietnam. Her name? Huh? That was Vietnam. He was a POW in Vietnam? Yeah. They did the same stuff. They learned it from the North Koreans. <laughs> Chinese, probably. And, yeah. Anyways. Sorry. Has Netflix made a documentary out of this? They did that Wormwood one we already mentioned. But, so this guy goes in there. He hypnotizes Schaefer. He injects him with sodium pentanol or pentothal or truth serum to see if he could clear his amnesia. And he eventually ended up confessing, killing Horton, saying that she'd brought out repressed memories of his cousin Beth Rainboat, who sexually abused him as a child. So he decided to go ahead and kill a three-year-old. Yeah. Said he went home drinking that night after they left the bar and had visions, quote, visions of God who whispered into his ear to seek and kill the evil girl, Beth. Wow. At the trial. <clears throat> so didn't remember anything up until the trial. Then this guy's like, yeah, sure, you, you remember. Let me help you. But I thought the doctor said he wasn't drunk. Right. He was That's examined. It was already, exactly. He was already examined saying he wasn't drunk. At the trial, West made only a minimal effort to exonerate Schaefer. The airman was found guilty, though an appeals court later ruled that he had had an unfair trial, but he was uh, convicted again in the retrial. In 1958, on his 33rd birthday, he was executed by electric chair. Happy birthday! He maintained his innocence the whole time. Yeah, the number 33, that's weird, right? Some type of ritual going on there. The trial, which hinged on Shaver's testimony, might have ended differently had the jury known about West's past. According to newly surfaced papers from West's archives, the psychiatrist had some of the clearest, most nefarious ties of any scientist to Project MKUltra. Though lawyers scrutinized Shaver's medical history, little mention was made of the base hospital where West's archived letters indicate that he had conducted his MKUltra experiments. Shaver had suffered from migraines so debilitating that he'd dunk his head in a bucket of ice water when he felt one coming on. His condition was severe enough that the Air Force had recommended him for a two-year experimental program. What kind of experiment? The doctor who'd attempted to recruit him was not named in court records or transcripts. Right, weird. Hmm. Yeah, apparently, and also his mother had tried to testify at trial that, yeah, he had had these migraines for a long time, and his wife and everything. But it gets even weirder. Yeah. Yeah. Why don't you read on, Theo, and find out what happens there at the, on this trial. On the stand, West said he'd never gotten around to seeing whether Shaver had been treated in the experimental program. Never got around to it. According to the base's archivist, all the records for patients in 1954 had been maintained, with one exception. The file for last names beginning with S-A through S-T had vanished. Just like the titanium engines of the Boeing 757 that crashed into the Pentagon on 9-11. <laughs> what? Yeah, that was my ad on there. But yeah. It's really good. That was I liked Tom, it. Tom O'Neill found. I liked it on my cold read. Yeah, did you? That, yeah. Tom O'Neill found all that stuff. Like I said, that was off his uh, that article, out of an excerpt out of his book. But he also 
found this uh, that West, so who, Wesley, or not Wesley, I'm sorry, Jolly West had headed the psychiatric psychiatry department at UCLA and the school's renowned neuroscience center until his retirement in 1988. And investigator journalist Tom O'Neill was searching a batch of research papers on hypnosis in West's archives and found letters between West and his CIA handler, Sherman Grifford. S.G. Hmm. And according to... John Marx's book, The Search for the Manchurian Candidate, which he was uh, the guy that found all these files tucked away somewhere and was like looking at them, all the CIA files that led up to the Rockefeller Commission and Church Committee that we talked about in the first episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He wrote that book, The Search for the Manchurian Candidate. Uh, and Sherman Grifford was apparently the cover name for Sidney Gottlieb. So, you know. SG. Yeah, how convenient. It's so simple, no one's going to know. They won't think about it. But apparently, he, West maintained that he never worked for the CIA mm-hmm. until the day that he died. But he had, in fact, worked closely with the agency's black sorcerer himself. The first date was dated June 11, 1953, merely two months after MK Ultra started, when West was chief of the psychiatric service at Lachlan Air Force Base. Yeah, I remember MK Ultra started 420, 1953. Mm-hmm. Yeah, weird. Theo, if you want to read this, when you go, we go through this next part, this is what, um, <clears throat> in these batch of letters that Tom O'Neill found between these two gentlemen, if you want to call them that, and it's, it's very interesting. Addressing Gottlieb as SG, West outlined the experiments he proposed to perform using a combination of psychotropic drugs and hypnosis. He began with the plan to discover, quote, the degree to which information can be extracted from presumably unwilling subjects through hypnosis alone or in combination with certain drugs, possibly with subsequent amnesia for the interrogation and or alteration of the subject's recollection of the information he formerly knew. West suggested he could try techniques for implanting false information into particular subjects or for inducing in them specific mental disorders, end quote. He hoped Hmm. to create couriers who would carry, quote, a long and complex message, end quote, embedded secretly in their minds and to study, quote, the induction of trans states by drugs, end quote. How convenient that this list lined up perfectly with the goals of MKUltra. West added, quote, must eventually be put to test in practical trials in the field, end quote. Well, America's the field. Right. To this end, he asked Gottlieb for some sort of carte blanche or unrestricted power to act at one's own discretion, unconditional authority. Good. Use your aggressive feelings, boy. Let the heat flow through you. Permission granted. For defense of the motherland. Yeah, this is for the good of America. We got to figure this out. So it's interesting. Oh, the fatherland. That West, you know, he'd been working on these things since the beginning of the MK, like, of MK Ultra started. 
But he maintained to the day that he died that he never once like he actually tried he threatened to sue Tom O'Neill <laughs> for this book before he released it like if he was going to write it because the guy was like investigating it for 20 years anywho yeah West had listed four groups of people to be used in these experiments basic airmen volunteers patients and others possibly including prisoners in the local stockade that was a direct quote so just like all the other doctors were looking for whoever they you know, could scrape up right Gottlieb was a uh, replied to some of these letters with I like this yeah they would write crap my good friend I have been wondering whether your apparent rapid and comprehensive grasp of our problem could possibly be real you have indeed developed an abnormally accurate picture of exactly what we are after like straight up in his own words Cindy Gottlieb was like yes to who West yeah He's like, from this, I am deeply grateful. We have gained quite an asset in the relationship we are developing with you. Is this love to which West replied, It makes me very happy to realize that you consider me an asset. Mm. Surely there is no more vital undertaking conceivable in these times. End quote. Yeah. Than, than wrecking people's minds. And making them do crazy shit. Well, they're at war, dude. You go back to was that Esther Brook we talked about? Esther Brook. Esther Brook. Esther Brook. Yeah. War is the end of all law. So it's completely ethical to do these at the demands of war, dude. Law is suspended. And like we talked about before, McCarthyism was in full swing, like coming up. They're like, what are you, some type of communist? It's like in Stranger Things, like. We have to trust them, okay? This is our government. They're on our side. This is our government. Never watched it. Yeah, well, it's a good one. I wonder where they got the idea. All from this, but, dude. They even say in that show. Like, this kind of sounds like the Dr. Fauci emails. Oh, we're getting to that. Not in this show, but another show. Right, Iraq? Right. It's on the board. In 1956, West reported back to the CIA that the experiments he'd begun in 1953 had at last come to fruition. In a 1956 paper titled The Psychophysiological Studies of Hypnosis and Suggestibility, he claimed he knew how to replace true memories with false ones in human beings without their knowledge. Without detailing specific incidents, he wrote, quote, it has been found to be feasible to take the memory of a definite event in the life of an individual and through hypnotic suggestion, bring about the subsequent conscious recall to the effect that this event never actually took place, but that a different fictional event actually did occur. He'd done it, he claimed, by administering new drugs, effective in, quote, speeding the induction of the hypnotic state and in deepening the trance that can be produced in given subjects, end quote. So, apparently, yeah, in 56, three years after MKUltra recruited this guy, he claimed to have done, been able to do. And you have a lot of them, too. Esther Brooke claimed that as well. And Weston come outright and say that this was for the FBI, but, hey, look, we can do this. This is just a scientific study because I'm a real smart guy. I'm a psychiatrist. And this is... This is a quote that I found I ran across that people 
they need to understand how the history of mind control and psychiatry are interwoven and how the madmen and murderers within the so-called professions are content to use torture in the name of science. Now, I found this quote uh, from a naturalnews.com article by psychiatrist Dr. Peter Bregan called Never Again, The Real History of Psychiatry, which gave insight into the aspect of that history. And Bregan wrote, before World War II in America, organized psychiatry had been sterilizing tens of thousands of Americans. For a time in California, you couldn't be discharged from a state hospital unless you were sterilized. Progressive. I remember hearing about this in school. In Virginia, the mentally retarded were targeted. American advocates of sterilization went to Berlin to help the Nazis plan that sterilization program. Now, I mean, that's a pretty bold claim, but yeah, we... I mean, it doesn't surprise me. We already talked about in this series that, you know... Hitler was Time Magazine Man of the Year. Yeah, 1938. Yeah. And Henry Ford was a huge fan of Nazi. Yeah. So was uh, Walt Disney. There's a lot of companies in America that were, you know, Prescott Bush and his uh, business partner, George Herbert Walker, were selling oil to the Nazis, making lots of money. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways... These sickos, these Americans reassured the Germans that they would meet no opposition from America in sterilizing their mentally and physically unfit citizens. Get it. And he was quoted, while the murder of mental patients was going full swing in Germany, knowledgeable American psychiatrists and neurologists didn't want to be left out. In 1942, the American Psychiatric Association held a debate about whether to sterilize or to murder low IQ, quote, retarded children, unquote, when they reached the age of five. Those were the only two alternatives in the debate, sterilization or death. Yeah, I don't think you can say the word retarded anymore. Well, that was a quote from the book. That's the only reason we read it. Yeah. So that was just... To, uh, 2023, though. Yeah. Yeah. No, you'd be surprised. You're fine. Our word. I'm sorry. We didn't say it. They did. Yeah, so it's pretty sick that, you know, the American Psychiatric Association was, like, literally debating euthanasia or sterilization. And at the same time that 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 debate took took place was at the same time that the Nazis were doing their euthanizing children in tandem nazi journey yeah in tandem yeah interesting not necessarily i mean don't know about any communication so not that kind of tandem but to the same time frame interesting very interesting and i was surprised to discover that o'neill had come across some evidence apparently some different angles that apparently jack ruby was in jail he was visited by West within the 48 hours of uh, him being arrested. And then Jack Ruby experienced some sort of a mental breakdown, became <clears throat> incoherent and unable to testify. Maybe like Weird. some of that psychosis we talked about earlier. Right, yeah. Like Esther Brooke talked about uh, that one Marine that he, Jones A and Jones beat him. That's right. Yeah. So, yeah, pretty wild. 
Sometime in the 60s, West supervised a study in Oklahoma City in which he had hired informants to infiltrate teenage gangs and propagate a fundamental change in, quote, basic moral, religious, or political matters, unquote. That, I did find the title. That was Project Mass Conversion. Mass Conversion. Another one that was funded by another Gottlieb front. SG. Yeah. Another front. They have, like, a bunch of fronts. They just kept having Companies. front after front after Companies, front. Yeah. But they're actually the CIA. Yeah. Uh, but like we said, MK Ultra was officially halted in 1963. But uh, in the late fall of 1966, West arrived in San Francisco to study hippies and LSD. Summer of Love. Scarlet Begonias. Good place to study it. Yeah. Apparently, he always used to be uh, half a crew cut. Tall brood man. All American look. Keeping with his military past. And then he cobbled together new wardrobes. Started skipping his haircuts. Blending in with the hippies. And he started... Uh, Decided he, to be free, man. Yeah. He arrived in Haight-Ashbury of San Francisco. And he was the only scientist, I found this funny, he was the only scientist in the world who had predicted the emergence of a potentially violent LSD cult. A la... Multiple. Charles Manson. To be the most famous that came from that area. Sure. And that... South of there, but yeah. Yeah. Well... Same coast. They're all in the same area, man. So, yeah. Symbiotic relationship. So basically, he ends up starting this pad in 1967. He gets a uh, laboratory funding for it, right? Sure. And this crash pad, yeah, was funded by the Foundation's Fund for Research in Psychiatric Inc., which was another front, shockingly. And they come to fu- it came to pass, like, the majority of his, allegedly, so he was the man to come to, if there was ever any mind control case to happen. And he was surprisingly absent from Charles Manson. That's something I found. Hmm. Which we've already said before, Charles Manson can brainwash these teenage runaways from the Midwest into murdering pregnant women and multiple other people and writing, writing with their blood on the walls and shit. Then... Why couldn't our government, with all this funding, something it was something like two hundred fifty million dollars was used, in all, to fund MK Ultra? Because ultimately, we'll get to that. That Gottlieb apparently nothing. They learned nothing from all this. Just like the Nazis didn't right. learn anything at dot com. <clears throat> right. And then, like we talked about in the earlier episodes, just like the Russians didn't learn anything with their psychotronics. From nineteen from from the Bolshevik takeover until two thousand three to the war on terror, terror, <laughs> weird. Anyways, he had hired some students out of the local college, some grad students, to come and study these uh, apparent zoo experiments, and uh, a bunch of these Stanford psychologist grads were like, "This is stupid." They they even wrote about it. They said their experience was aimless to the point of worthlessness, she wrote this one. <laughs> when crashers showed up, no one made much of the point of finding out about them. More often, hippies failed to show up at all since 
Many of them apparently looked at the pad with suspicion. I wonder why. Man, that looks like a... Some sort of a CIA house or something. That looks sus, man. Yeah. Probably also because apparently I found out there was men with uh, pistol shoulder holsters and stuff. Like, they keep in front in your uh, sports coat. Be in and out of there? Yeah, well, they were chasing women around and... When they're like half naked and stuff, but with, still with their pistols. <laughs> so that probably was a dead giveaway to the hippies. Like, hmm, that's weird. They're not very groovy over there, man. Yeah, something's fishy deodorant. about that, man. No. Yeah, and they're and the, and the one student wrote in this uh, this journal about it. What the hell is Jolly doing? It's like a zoo. Is he studying us or them? And when. Wes would make rare appearances. I guess he was dressed like a silly hippie. And sometimes Wes would bring friends to the house. Their general attitude, she wrote, was that this was a good opportunity to have fun. They spent a good deal of time stoned. So he's like just bringing government buddies over there to get stoned and have sex. Party on! Party on, Wayne! Party on, Garth. It's Wayne's world! Right on. Yeah. Party, baby. (laughs) We're sciencing. All right. Two million dollars. Yeah. I mean, that wasn't just on this project. As a total, like, MK Ultra supposedly paid out, like, $250 million back in the 50s and 60s. That's a lot of money. I mean, I would have to look into the numbers on that, but even today, that's a lot of money. Best case scenario, West and some agency boys were just using this pad for recreational drug use and women, but had to keep up appearances to keep getting government funding. Worst case scenario, it had much darker nefarious objectives that had been protected with the utmost secrecy for a long, long time. Maybe there was other shit going on that these students watch the left hand. Kansas City Shuffle. Have right? you guys been to Hate Ashbury? No. No. Have you? I have. And yeah, I have. And uh, yeah, I wouldn't waste your time. Well, Hate Ashbury, maybe that it's, was it's just. It's all uh, commercialized. <clears throat> I think that the window of opportunity to visit the Bay Area or L.A. has closed. Yeah. Uh, we were, we'll get back to that timeline kind of later, but, like, eventually you find out that Charles Manson might have had some, not at this particular pad, but with Wes at another pad. And took some Manson family members there as well. Charles Manson. You're gonna. <laughs> Have you listened to Charles yeah, Manson music? No. I, it's hard to find on YouTube, too. Is it any I, good? I, Not really. Uh, Look at your game, girl. It's uh, the most popular song in the. Mm. Is it like. Mediocre. Is it like Rick Astley? Or. Uh, it's just kind of folky acoustic. Oh. It's not like Neil Neil Young. Young. Never gonna Neil let Young, you up. Never gonna let you down. Like that? Something like that. Oh. Alright. According to Neil Young, what? Charles Manson was one of the most brilliant musicians ever. But coming from Neil Young. So. Yeah. Was that oh, stupid man, Canadian note? Look at my life. I will have Wow. That's extremely annoying. <laughs> <laughs> It's a Bats good, it's a good guitar well. riff. Thanks for being but, honest. You're welcome, man. All right, so I, I want to go through a few famous and infamous MK Ultra victims, starting with the Unabomber. So we already know they were going through tons of universities, right? They're recruiting all over the world, and this dude's a particular interesting case. Doctor Henry Murray Ch- 
chairman of Harvard University to University's Department of Social Relations had devised a screening test for the OSS to assess the suitability of applicants for the Secret Services. It tested uh, on applicants to withstand harsh interrogations and called them Thematic Apperception Test, or TAT. So this guy had already been working on psychological stuff prior to World War II, I guess, or prior to MKUltra. And World War II, he'd been asked to do a psychological profile on Hitler by some OSS department. And I added this because I wanted to point out that Murray had had a previous ties to intelligence community before the creation of the CIA even, right? So obviously when they're like, oh, it comes, we're going to mess with people's minds. Let's get a hold of Dr. Henry Murray. He knows a few things. From 1959 to 1962, Murray led a Harvard team of psychologists in a series of a three-year experiment titled Multiform Assessments of Personality Development Among Gifted College Men. I love how they give it such a nice polished veneer. Right? Yeah, it sounds like so a, sweet. It's like porcelain. Yeah, there's... You can uh, see yourself in that shit. <laughs> right. It's so nice and shiny, isn't it? Yeah. Don't, wouldn't you want to volunteer? This could advance your career as an alumni, a Harvard alumni. I'm just going to breathe on it. <sighs> yeah. So they had conducted this on 22 Harvard undergraduates. And the intent was to measure how much students reacted under stress. And one of these students was... Theodore. Theodore Kaczynski. Little Teddy. 16-year-old Theodore Kaczynski. Little Teddy. Yeah. He's gifted in math. Born, yeah, he was born in, in a freaking... Over there in Illinois, our neighbors. Ooh, Teddy likes math, huh? Evergreen All Park. Right. But yeah, he was a super intelligent man, kid, child. That's why he ended up at Harvard in the freaking 60s, the 50s and 60s there back as when a 16-year-old. Back when they gave a crap about their academics. Right, yeah. He entered graduate studies in mathematics at the University of Michigan and earned a Ph.D. in 1967 after harvard and he took he had taken an assistant professor position at the university of california berkeley later that year hate ashbury mm. apparently under that experiment that murray was doing theodore teddy 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 kaczynski his, his uh, code name was lawful but obviously they just were doing some super sick sadistic stiff some unlawful stuff yeah the intent of the experiment was to undermine the student's sense of self-worth by subjecting them to intense, aggressive verbal attacks. And Murray himself described the intensive interrogation the students were subjected to as vehement, sweeping, and personally abusive, unquote. Attacks that assaulted the subject's egos and most cherished ideals and beliefs. It's from a book, Harvard and the Unabomber by Alston Chase. I used a lot of that. It's here. pronounced Havid. Havid. They say it like a small wiener. So, dude, Little Teddy's got a small pecker. Imagine being a 16-year-old. And then what they would do is just strap you down too, and just have people like you couldn't do anything about it. And that's some serious hazing. That is, yeah. And they would do some pretty humiliating stuff. Before they started this experiment, though, they had the undergraduates write an autobiography essay describing the most personal beliefs and aspirations as well as their deepest sexual desires. One I mean like I sure they're all coaxed into it. You want to be a 
a legend here. You want to get in with a good Harvard alumni. Go places in this country. But they all did it. You got to write this down. Right? And then they would use that against them when they were freaking talking. Had them strapped down to a chair with electrodes attached to monitor their psychological responses. And then they would have uh, just said lengthy, abusive, scolding, intensive verbal attacks. By another law student. <laughs> so they can kill two birds with one stone. Right. Doing two studies at once. Interrogate with a law student? Mm. Yeah. Turn yeah. mathematics students into fucking bombers. Right. Guys that are freaking, uh, you know. It's great. Yeah. So over the three years. You can go up to Napa afterwards, drink some wine. Get over it. Yeah, the the volunteers were repeatedly humiliated, verbally assaulted, and sexually debased. Yeah, like Iraq said, you got a little dick, Teddy. <laughs> Teddy's got a little wiener. Yeah. Yeah, they bring the hot chick. <laughs> <laughs> Teddy's got a little wiener. And point and laugh, my gosh. <laughs> That's yeah, like but then <laughs> but it gets even it gets even sicker. Hey, Rob, they had a two-way mirror set up, and they would videotape all this stuff, or or they would have a video camera on it, and then they would force later on in the experience they would force the victims to watch them relive this humiliation on film. Oh, we're not going to humiliate you today, Teddy. What we're going to do is make you watch you get humiliated for the last thirty-six hours. Sweet dreams. Yeah, it's it's pretty sick. Little 16-year-old Teddy. Yeah. Apparently, subjects in Murray's experiments years later reported, or, yeah, they reported feelings of anger, nihilism, and alienation. Well, yeah, I wonder why. <laughs> this is before the internet, too. Yeah. 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 <laughs> right? There yeah. weren't message boards for them to get their feelings out on. <laughs> right. Or they weren't being there humiliated on social media. Yeah, there wasn't like, a subreddit for them. And yeah, and several remained haunted by the experience even 25 years later. So obviously, this is what a lot of people believe, and even Theo, Theodore Teddy Kaczynski's own brother believes, is that because of this, like he was obviously full of anger. He was a, he was a brilliant man, but he became lacking in ethical values because he was treated like a guinea pig, and he was angry at his parents for pushing him into the vortex. If you watch that documentary on, on Netflix, he was angry because he wasn't good at picking up women. Yeah, I mean, that's tough for a young man. With a small penis. And yeah, especially I, if that's what he thinks going around. Allegedly. Yeah, right. Well, and before the internet, though, he couldn't just Google it. What's the normal size of a penis? Yeah. <laughs> Listen, I don't have a small dick. I looked online. It's pretty average. So, fuck off. Yeah. Uh, so maybe that was something, yeah. So he ultimately turned into the smoldering, angry Unabomber. And his twisted ideology, which is not so twisted now when you think about it, because he was afraid that man was going to be mixing with machine. Are happening, check. Right now, yeah. So that's why he was sending bombs to universities, the UNA, and on airplanes. Well, some of them were just exploding on planes and stuff, but... Yeah, he was trying to kill scientists and biologists, engineers, robotic technology engineers and all that stuff. Anyways, that's how he ended up getting the Unabomber nickname because the FBI profiled as Unabomb. 
17 year bombing campaign. Yep. Three dead, 23 wounded. In a, an alleged revolution against the industrial system. Yeah, he's still alive today in prison. In an odd twist that shows why history is stranger than fiction, while Kaczynski was undergoing those humiliation experiments as a young, there was a young Harvard researcher named Timothy Leary was beginning his research career in psychedelics. Interesting. You guys heard of Timothy Leary, right? Yes, heard of him. Timothy Leary's dead. Yeah. No, 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 he's out there. Yeah. But uh, just a side note, uh, Ted Kaczynski is still alive. He's 80 years old. Yeah, he's in prison. You can go talk to him if you want to be pin pals. Should we send him a letter? Yeah, we can get him on the show. Remember. That'd be interesting, huh? An <laughs> 800 Iowa dog guy. No, not really, though. Anyways. Maybe someday. Maybe someday. 1 900. Iowa talk, guys. Mm. Kids will never know that. No. Late at night. Some kids don't remember. Oh, yeah. On USA? On the USA On channel? USA? After MacGyver and shit? Oh, man. No. The Spice channel. And, I didn't have cable. I, anyway, thanks. I didn't have cable growing up, man. <clears throat> Sorry, dude. Going back to uh, Timothy Leary. Yeah, going back to Timothy Leary. Born in 1920. Yeah, he was. So, like I said, all right, Springfield Murray's stuff started in 59 to 62. Uh, Going to Timothy Leary, he grew up in a Catholic household. Daddy was an Army dental officer. And so he went through West Point and all this shit. Apparently got in some trouble at West Point. And uh, his his mother called in a family friend. United States Senator David I. Walsh. Yeah, head of the Senate Naval Affairs Committee, who investigated the matter personally, got got things taken care of for him, and then he went on to, he went all all over a bunch of places, really getting the schooling and stuff, but ended up like get, those academics do. Yeah, he ended up getting a doctorate in psychology from the University of California, Berkeley. Weird. And connection. He was an assistant there from 1955. From 19, yeah, from 1950 to 1955. At Harvard, began experimenting with psilocybin mushrooms. Apparently, he got some from down in Mexico and shit. So he had, he was, a, he was considered to be a very brilliant psychologist, right? Guy was going on a good, good path. And then he started messing around with mushrooms. He was like, this this stuff can open your mind. Open your soul, People dude. need to get this stuff out, man. Yeah. Yeah. People need to come together. So, while Ted Kaczynski was getting humiliated for three years or whatever, his program ended in 62. Uh, right after that, Lee Harvey, or I'm sorry, not Lee Harvey. <laughs> Lee Harvey. Leary. Leary got kicked out of, he got dismissed from Harvard. All right, you, you can't lecture here anymore. Sorry, bud. Can't have you at have it anymore. Yeah. Yeah, but that was the same year, coincidentally, that CIA had officially, according to their website that I got that document from, had ended. Okay. But. Of course. I don't know. How long was Leary a, an asset to them? Because from 53 to 58, he received eight government grants paid through, for the, nation, for, through 
the National Institute of Mental Health, also another fronted company from the CIA. And it's a lot of those. Yeah, apparently a letter from Bertram Brown, director of NIM. NIMH. Yeah, neither confirmed nor denied that NIMH had supported Leary's research. But Brown did say that Harvard had received grants for drug research, but NIMH had their record keeping did not permit knowledge below the, quote, major institution level, unquote. We can neither confirm nor deny <laughs> the allegations that we funded this guy. Perfect. <laughs> yeah, and so Leary went off, him and his buddy Ram Das decided to go off and tune in, tune turn in. on, drop out, man. Tune in. Man, turn man. on. Drop out, dude. Oh, yeah, it's turn on, tune in, drop out, man. Let's do it. And they lived in a mansion in Millbrook, New York. Must have gotten quite a bit of money from the CIA to buy a mansion up there after he yeah. got kicked out of Harvard. wonder if they had any help. Hmm. He formed a small community that was devoted to the pursuit of pleasure. Right on, man. Yeah. A bunch of hedonists and, and shit. And then that's when Let's he began. Naked. And have sex. Summer of love, baby. Yeah, free love, yeah, this is man. building up to it. Yeah, he began to intensively explore LSD. Anybody want some granola, dude? Yeah. And he... <laughs> yeah, his research was initially... Initially, it emphasized carefully on control over the set and setting. Like, that was one of his big deals, I guess. But then he just ended up just getting high and having sex and doing whatever. And the experiments kind of just went on the wayside. And he's like, let's just get... Let's just do some acid, man. And uh, find some ladies. Yeah. And he would travel widely, give lectures. Apparently, he was getting paid like $2,500 per lecture and stuff around college campuses. And That's he, a lot of money at the time, particularly, yeah. too. Mm-hmm. And you his could phrase, almost buy a brand new Corvette for that. Mm. Have you guys seen the documentary on the, Timothy Leary? No. My Psychedelic Love Story. Is it any good? Yeah, actually, yeah. It, yeah, it's with one of his blubber. Yeah, his Joanna. One of his we, lava. Joanna? Smith. We get into yeah. her in here, dude. His lava Joanna. That's interesting. Joanna. <laughs> yeah, it's on Showtime. My lover. All right. Well, I have not seen it, but yeah, I I should check it out. Joanna. Do yourself a favor. Do myself a favor. We should make yeah. we should make a song called Joanna. I think it's been done. And I imagine that we should probably lay off the crash symbol. <laughs> yeah, dude. Anyways, apparently that pissed off Nixon, who ended up calling him the most dangerous man in America, Richard Nixon, the Watergate Dick guy. Dick Nixon. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> Timothy Leary and the MKUltra. Supplied acid is the most dangerous man in America. For open! Anyways, it was, it was uh, interesting. December 23rd, 1965, Wait, Leary was arrested for marijuana possession. What was I going to do? You were going to listen. <laughs> I'm sorry. And then, under the Marijuana Tax Act of 1937... And I found this uh, interesting. In 1966, he was sentenced to 30 years in prison and fined 
$30,000 for a marijuana possession. We don't want your kind around here yeah. out on the streets, boy. In order to undergo psychiatric treatment. And he appealed the case on the basis that the Marijuana Tax Act was unconstitutional. Hey, hey, listen, guys. Look, I don't want to mess with no reefer addicts, okay? Get home to your mama, boy. Anywho, he got arrested again. He got arrested again in 68 after he got, yeah, for, again, roaches, having a couple of marijuana roaches. And this time it went to the Supreme Court. Leary versus the United States, and yeah, it was declared that the Marijuana Tax Act was unconstitutional and overturned his 65 conviction. But then, on that same day, Leary announced, as this is his documentary, that Leary had announced his candidacy for governor of California the same day that the Supreme Court uh, concurred that it was un- the Marijuana Tax Act was unconstitutional. He wanted to run, run against Ronald Reagan. As governor of California. The actor? Yeah. And his campaign slogan was, come together, join the party. And guess what? Theo is one of Theo's most favorite musicians of all time, John Lennon. Oh, yeah, of course. And Yoko Uno, his second favorite musician of all time. Right. Especially the video with, especially the video of them with Chuck Berry. Oh, yeah. That was the best. Especially when the sound guy turned her mic off. Yeah. Yeah. Chuck. Plug that in. God bless him. Yeah, but he, apparently, John Lennon wrote that song, Come Together. Right now. Over me with some LSD. Yeah, that was written for Timothy Leary's campaign. Allegedly. Allegedly. But yeah, they, uh, because of those arrest incidents in 65 and 68, he ended up E-Rap. Did you hear that? Yeah, barely, but it sounded like trash can music. <laughs> <laughs> Through a cell phone. Yeah, let's, let's not try that. Anyways, after those arrests, he was incarcerated in 78, and a, some revolutionary group called the Weather Underground aided him in some escape. Oh, this wait. Is like some Obama's buddies? <laughs> the, the Weather Underground? Yeah. Is he buddies with them? Because at the time they were... I think there was a dude from Chicago that was uh, involved with them that took him in. Oh, wow. That's nice. I was reading today a copy of the New York Times. And I was really interested to read in there about Barack Obama's friends from Chicago. Turns out... One of his earliest supporters is a man who, according to the New York Times, was a domestic terrorist and part of a group, part of a group that, quote, launched a campaign of bombings that would target the Pentagon and the U.S. Capitol. Well, yeah, they helped him escape to Algeria, and then he went to a few different other places. You can go read about that. You know, and he ended up in Afghanistan. Oh, well, it's a lovely place this time of year, right here. Yeah. That was in 73. He ended up getting captured. By the Afghanis? Well, he got captured on, a, I think it was like a Trans Am flight or something. Because the Afghanis were like, we don't care. 
You can come live and move goats from yeah. mountain to mountain. It's fine. Do whatever drugs you want. You might get right, uh, you know, stabbed and killed. You break Mohammed's law, we kill you. Yeah. You see it. But That's just all. leave us alone. Yes. Anyways, he ended up in Folsom Prison. Oh, Folsom Prison Blues there. I heard a California. song or two. Yeah. And his uh, wife, Joanna, that E Rocket brought up in that. Joanna. Yeah. Had, yeah, had tried to contact Leary for several months after he was incarcerated in Folsom, and he could not be found. But apparently. they lost him. I somehow lost they him. They just lost him. This prison's so big. Uh, who was the guy again? Uh, come back in a couple months. We might fade. Maybe we found him by then. We don't know. Uh, so. But then she got. She ended up getting a petition sign protesting the disappearance of the Pope of Dope. Pope of Dope. And after the media outcry, suddenly he was located. Pope of Dope. Oh, yeah, we found him. He was uh, in the restroom the whole time. Just had some bad chow, you know. That's it. It happens. Apparently, when she first saw him uh, at the prison on the table, separated by the pane, a thick glass, he looked very pale. And she said that his head had been completely shaved, had bruises on his body, and didn't seem like the man she'd known before. You're not the man I married. Yeah. Then Leary then became an FBI informant in order to shorten his prison sentence and entered the witness protection program upon his release in 1976. Weird. Interestingly, while he was in Folsom Prison, he was placed in a cell right next to Charles Manson. Whoa. And though they could not see each other, they could talk together. And in their discussions, Manson was surprised and found it difficult to understand why Leary had given people LSD without trying to control them. Why would you do it? Why mm. would you give them LSD without trying to control their minds, man? Right. I'm thinking maybe Timothy Leary, after he got caught, he was old Jolly West. Mr. Estabrook got a hold of him. Broke his will. Or some of their, you know, there's plenty. Those are just a few of those guys and those programs. There's plenty more. The good doctors. Right. Yeah. So do you get into <clears throat> Timothy Leary's partnership with G. Gordon Liddy, the G Watergate burglar? Oh, no. I didn't talk about that at all. That's here. crazy, though. I didn't even find that, that happened, out. And they toured the circuit in 1982, debating on a range of issues, including gay rights, abortion, welfare, and the environment. Interesting. No, I didn't know that, but I did know that I put in here that Manson had said to Leary, quote, they took you off the streets so that I could continue with your work, unquote. I'm a boxcar and a jug of wine and a straight razor if you get too close to me. Well, Timothy Leary also held a fundraiser for Libertarian Party pres presidential candidate Ron Paul. That's interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, well, I found out, you know, later after Leary got out that he had ended up moving to into the Laurel Canyon neighborhood in Los Angeles where he spent the rest of his life. Where who was a uh, Charles Manson was Charlie. hanging out there with Charlie was there for yeah. a while. Yeah. I mean, that's Until where he met Neil Young. Till Sharon Tate got killed and all that. Right. Weird, right? He died at 75 years old. Yeah. 
What a shame. So but you can take drugs and still live to be 75. Yeah. So real quick, I want to get into a few more, uh, a few other notable names and other victims. Ken Casey, as a student at UC uh, Berkeley, he uh, volunteered to take LSD and do whatever they wanted him to. He was the author of One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. He also used to hang out with, he would host LSD parties, I believe around the Laurel Canyon area. What? With like the Grateful Dead and stuff. And Robert Hunter, a lyricist for the Grateful Dead, had participated in the same test as him at UC Berkeley when they were going to school there. Crazy. Weird. Somebody we already know about, James Whitey Bulger, right. agreed to an unknown experiment for a reduced prison sentence. He was the Winter Hill mob boss and FBI informant. Listen to our episode, episode 7, Hunter Bulger, Ukraine Connection. Yeah. Harold Blower was a professional tennis player. Apparently, he needed some help. Had a bout of depression. Checked himself into New York State Psychiatric Institute where he was diagnosed with pseudoneurotic schizophrenia and was dead a month later. Wow. Weird. James Stanley, he had a promising military career, enlisted at 15, was a master sergeant at just 20 years, and ended up volunteering for a gas mask and protective clothing experiment, and slowly his career went down the shitter. <laughs> yeah, I don't yeah. know if I'd want to volunteer for that. Right, yeah. Probably not. Hey, just thought he was doing his duty, and then that happened. So... In our conclusion here, we had mentioned before that the uh, 1947 Nuremberg Code of Ethics established the fundamental principles for scientists and physicians involved in using people as subjects in experiments and tests. In the Nuremberg Code, the respect for human rights of patients, including their voluntary consent and their safety from undue physical or psychological harm, was a prominent consideration. And... Get this, same year that MK Ultra started, there was a 1953 memorandum from the Secretary of Defense to the Secretaries of the Military Services directing them, which directed them, in essence, to adopt the Nuremberg Code as a guide for human experimentation. Obviously, Dulles and Gottlieb and all these other guys, that didn't apply to them. Well, I mean... Besides the Nuremberg Code, I mean, it's right there in the Bill of Rights, too, right? Well, what about oh, yeah. unusual punishment? Right. And what about all these doctors that are Hippocratic Oath to do no harm right. to their patients? So there's already stuff in place right. without some international BS. I exactly. mean, we've already talked about how much they respected the Nuremberg trials. Right, exactly. Ultimately, Gottlieb concluded that mind control was not possible. After MKUltra shut down, he went on to lead a CIA program that created poisons and high-tech gadgets for spies to use. Oh. James Bond. Yeah, like James Bond. Like Q. Q. Like Q. A pen. This is a class four grenade. Three clicks. Arms the four-second fuse. Another three disarms it. In the early 70s, oh, which, by the way, Ian Fleming, the author of the James Bond novels, which they are right now changing as we speak the text. He was one of the Brits that was in Germany at the time trying to round up scientists. Weird. 
In the early 70s, Gottlieb had retired from the CIA when he was outed as the man behind MKUltra a few years later. And summoned before and the Rockefeller Commission, and he brokered a deal that saved him from his prosecution. And then he quietly lived out the rest of his lives raising goats in his <laughs> rural house in Virginia. Goat cheese. Died peacefully in 1999. Nobody got held accountable for this also. That's right. the other thing. Usually. They have all this information. It's par for the course. There was never any criminal charges pressed against anybody. The Montreal Projects. Projects. Sleep experiments. They got paid that $20,000 or whatever we said it was in the other show. It's good chunk of change. Yeah. And, yeah, nobody was held accountable whatsoever. Nobody suffered any legal consequences. And the thing is, uh, if, if you think these experiments were so extreme that they bear no resemblance to modern psychiatry, think again. They got all kinds of drugs now. Yeah. Thorazine. Yeah, so how far have they advanced? Supposedly all this stuff ended, right? Well, but this so-called antipsychotic drug has uh, was researched on the basis of its of its ability to make humans profoundly quiescent. Thorazine, yeah, and passive. Now I don't know if le- electroshock and lobotomies. Yeah, there's a lot of lobotomies done on people too during this all this craziness happening. Like one flew out of the cuckoo's nest. Yeah, they're straight out. It, that's torture techniques for science, right? And the selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors, or SSRI antidepressants, increase violent behavior, including homicidal. And recent research has recent research has found that low levels of serotonin is not linked to depression, which we talked about in our episode 35. Did you see? And that's very interesting, because you do notice a trend, especially with a lot of these mass shootings that these... Uh, these kids were on psychotropic medications. Yeah. But they don't talk about it. Yeah, they don't talk about it. Uh, uh, Ritalin? And Ritalin, yeah, documented effects and induces hallucinations and paranoia. I, I remember kids selling Ritalin for other kids. Have you ever taken Ritalin? No. No. I can admit I took it. Did it make you hallucinate? No, it made me really, uh, you know, just really antsy and like, yeah, I didn't feel right. Like, weird. Hmm. Yeah, some kids were. I don't know, dude. It was weird. Somebody, yeah, maybe Theo knows. But what selling it? <laughs> Cut this. But Uh-oh. anyways, yeah. But plus, thousands of people have reported missing time syndrome in the U.S. And, you know, a lot of them believe they have been abducted by aliens or something. They don't know what happened. But who really knows? I mean, the CIA, like I said, that was their main objective is to create amnesia. And what if it just, okay, think about sound waves, what those can do to you now, right? We know Mm -hmm. how powerful sound is concentrated. We can concentrate beams of light to fuse metal together. Wow. So, I don't know. It's pretty crazy, dude. But all these effects are part and parcel with the original MK Ultra objectives for the most part. But now basically the whole population via psychiatry is occluded in the experiment. Oh, yeah, you got something wrong with you? We'll just medicate your ass. Here's a pill. Yep. Which uh, I personally believe is one reason why the right to refuse medication must be protected and expanded. Here, here. Including, of course, the right to refuse vaccines. Here, here. Especially since I had a family member pass from that. 
Anyways. Follow, share, like, subscribe. I hope you enjoy the show. I know it was a long one. Sorry. Been waiting a long time for it. But we yeah. finally got her done. Moving on to something else. That was a good one. It was a deep dive. Hopefully you guys all enjoyed it. Yep. Follow us on our Instagram. Tell your Twitter. mother. Tell your father. Grandma. Tell your great grandma. Creepy cousin John. Tell creepy cousin and, John's uh, uncle. Yeah. We'll just mandate through this through OSHA that you listen to it. Yes. We'll mandate through OSHA that you listen to our podcast. That is an excellent idea. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Iowa Talk, guys, out. Out. Out.